What a great thrill to realize that the Lord is holding our hand. Yeah, right. Not only at the end, but every day. Yeah. Every moment, every hour. Yeah. Every trial, every trouble, the Lord is there. Yeah. And it seems as though the nearness of the Lord gets a little closer right. with age. I appreciate the privilege of standing here tonight. Yeah, we're glad you're here. I don't yeah. particularly have to stand in, this, stand in this spot. I can be all right with just standing room. But I love my church. Yes. Yeah. I think right much of it. Yeah. And I'm willing to risk my all yeah. for what I believe to be the truth of God's Word. Right. Yeah. Right. We're standing here today unapologetically. Yeah, right. On a platform of holiness. Yeah, that's right. The kind of holiness that affects the way you live. That's right. It's not divorced from your daily life. It's part and parcel of the way you live. It has something to do with the way you dress. It has something to do with your conversation. The things you talk about. The kind of things you are amused at. It reaches way down. Yeah. It gets to the core of the matter. Yeah. Had a weather a waterproofing man recently talking about a basement problem, and he said, you've got two things you can do. You can deal with it on this side of the wall, or you can deal with it on the other side of the wall. And he said, if you deal with it on this side of the wall, you just got to keep on dealing with it. You just got to keep getting rid of it all the time. Well, that's the way... The plan of salvation is. If all you're going to do is get forgiven, you just got to get forgiven and get forgiven because you haven't dealt with the source. That's The reason there's two works in the plan of salvation is very simply because you're dealing with cause and effect. You're dealing with two kinds of sins. Sins that are committed and the origin of sin. I didn't mean to say that. Um... Uh, the fall of Babylon, the death of Christ, and all of us right here today, three things. We think we can do that. They are related. There is a relationship. From the very beginning, the thing that God wanted simply was that men should serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Old covenant, new covenant, or early days, late days, it's always been that way. God has always required that people serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And He's always provided a way. Old covenant, new covenant. There's always been a way that people could serve the Lord. And some people get it all confused and they say that the reason uh, Cain's uh, sacrifice was not accepted was because it was... Uh, uh, of the fruit of the ground and Abel's was of, of uh, a blood sacrifice. That ain't got nothing to do with it. That don't have nothing to do with it. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. The reason people are condemned before God is not trivial things. It is because of sin that is in the hearts of people. That's where your condemnation comes from. Sin that is in the heart. And God began right at that moment to reach down and to work with mankind. And you know how it is when men get things in their own hands, 
uh, over a long period of time, they keep messing it up and messing it up and messing it up. And first thing you know, it gets in bad shape, and the Lord's got to come down and rescue the thing. So it was in the days of Noah. The children of men had gotten so evil, the imaginations of their hearts was only evil continually. It had gotten so bad that God was minded to destroy the world, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord reached down at that time and redeemed that situation and caused it, and here it goes again. And so then we get over into Abraham and that story and how the Lord called him and blessed him, and of the fruit of his loins there, there came a multitude of people. And they, went, they were sold down into Egypt. And you know how that story goes. And God delivered them out of the bondage of Egypt with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm. And all the time God was commanding them to serve me. In sincerity and in truth. I don't want pretense. I don't want tokens. I don't want trivia things. I want some service to me in sincerity and truth. It's always been that way. It's that way today. But as it was... In that covenant, they didn't have what we've got. They didn't have the Spirit of God inside to renew it every morning. And as the years went by and they began to conquer the nations, uh, uh, God had instructed them to dwell alone. They were His people. When Balaam went up there and Balak had called him to curse the children of God, and he spoke those beautiful prophecies, How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? From the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. And lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be numbered with the nations. God has always wanted His people to be separate. He don't want you going out and partaking of things of the world. He don't want you associating with associations outside of your church. God's not pleased with it. He wants you to dwell alone. It's always been that way. But they didn't do that. He certainly doesn't. He don't want you giving your sons to their daughters and taking their daughters to your sons. But what did they do? They did the very thing God told them not to do. They began to make leagues with other nations. They had all kind of liaison with them and agreements and you, you, you take care of me here and I'll take care of you there. And uh, began to intermarry the ones with the other. And, and uh, uh, time went on and God's wrath began to be kindled. Yeah, right. And it took many, many years. During this long period of time, I don't know the geography of the day, but somewhere there was a great uh, empire building. And that was the empire of the Babylonians. And I don't have vocabulary nor time enough to describe how great that kingdom was and that empire. Uh, Culture was high. Uh, The uh, crafts of the day, the goldsmithing, the silversmithing, uh, uh, the works of men's hands, the imports, the exports, the the trade that they have in wood and precious stones and diamonds and all of these things. And people began to trade with them. And the people of God got interested in that. Yes. For their own gain. And they forgot that they were supposed to dwell alone. And they began to traffic in that, in that realm of the Babylonians. And they began to buy and to sell. And as they did that, they broke down their convictions to God. It all happened simultaneously. It didn't happen in a short period of time. It took a long time for that to happen. But it did happen. 
the kings of Israel and Judah did many of them did horrible things uh, Hezekiah was a good king we all know the story of Hezekiah he had a son named Manassas did horrible things Manassas had a son named Ammon he did worse he was slain by his own his own men they conspired against him he was so bad and did away with him but he had a son named Josiah Josiah was a good king in Israel. And when he came in to reign, he looked around and he began to behold all the abominations that his fathers had done. And he began to seek the Lord. And he went in the temple and he began to look at all the abominations that were there. Inside the temple of God, they had altars built where they made sacrifices to Baal. They had groves where they were sacrificing to Baal. They had all these things that were against the, the will of God, against the commandments that God had given them. They had ceased to do their Passover offerings. They had ceased to keep the feast that God had told them to do. And the wrath of God was building. Yeah. Slowly building. Yeah. You know, the Lord will let you do just about anything you choose to do. Yeah. That's one thing you do have, and I'm not sure it's altogether given you by your country. You have your right to choice. Yeah. But as uh, the Joshua said, you choose you this day who you will serve. You want to serve the gods on the other side of the flood, the gods of the Amorites and whose land you now dwell, but it's for me and my house we yeah. will serve the Lord. Yeah. But Josiah began to cleanse out the temple. Yeah. And he began to take down those high priests that were doing such a mess and replace yeah. them in with some good men. Yeah. And he sent his men in there to, to work in the temple. Yeah. And while his workmen were in there working... They found the book of the law. They found the book of the law while they were in there working. And they began to read it and they brought it to Josiah. And he began to read it. And oh my, they hadn't been reading the book of the law. And they had, they, he didn't even realize how far they had gone away from God. Are you reading the book of the law? Yeah. Do you know how far you're getting away from God? Yeah. This will tell you. That's right. The yes, book of the law will tell you. Yes, and Josiah rent his clothes and he put sackcloth on his head and he stripped himself and he began to pray and yeah. he made, made his consecration to God and he read about the Passover. Yeah. And Josiah held a Passover. The Bible says was the greatest Passover that they had ever held right. from the days of Samuel. Yeah. And there was rejoicing in that land today. Yeah. It would be that way today if yeah. our folks would be get their word, get their self in the Word of God the and begin right. to read yeah. the That's Word the of the law right. and cleanse yeah. your house right. and cleanse your mouth yeah. and cleanse your yeah. ways yeah. and return to the Lord. Yeah. We have a carrying on here in this camp. Man. That's God's right. still calling for sincerity and truth. That's right. That's right. And your token sacrifices ain't enough. No, That's right. Yeah. That's what I said. They're my people. And I love them. I love them enough to tell them the truth. Right. If I'm loved in return, that'll be nice. If I'm not, that's all right. I have a responsibility. And you have a responsibility. And this, this idea of preaching the love of God, and it carries no responsibilities and carries no reciprocal sacrifices on your part, I'm just afraid that ain't the way it is. That's right. That's the truth. During this time, the Lord sent prophets to his people. They'd tell them what they were doing wrong. They'd prophesy. They didn't always like it. 
Sometimes they wasn't too well entreated, but they kept talking. That was the time Uncle Ray did Jeremiah said. They put him in a dungeon, they put him in the prison, and they did everything they could to get him to hold his peace, but he just said he couldn't do it. God had put his spirit in his heart, and he was going to tell his people their transgressions. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, and tell my people their sins. That's the Lord. God is not pleased with your worldly lifestyles. He's not pleased with your token sacrifices. He wants sincerity and truth right now, just as much as he did in Jeremiah's day. And Jeremiah began to preach to the people, and he said, Seventy years are determined on my people. Seventy years of captivity. They didn't want to hear that. No. They wanted somebody to speak to them smooth. That's things. what they said. Yeah. They wanted somebody to say peace, peace, when there was no peace. Yeah. And he was not too well entreated for his testimony to them in that day. But it did come to pass. It did come to pass. Uh, Zedekiah was the last king. He was the one in in uh, holding that position when uh, Nebuchadnezzar came into Jerusalem and sent his armies all around them. He besieged the, besieged the city for over a year. For well over a year. He besieged the city with armies round about. No man could go out. No man could come in. Eventually their food supply was depleted and they were just, they were just weakened to nothing. And then Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, moved in and took captive the city of Jerusalem. Burned it down burned the temples, destroyed the walls that were all about it, took back uh, the vessels out of the house of God, took them back into Babylon, and the folks couldn't understand why in the world the Lord had forsaken them. And the problem was the very thing that the prophets had been telling them all the time, amend your ways. Amend your ways. That's what the prophet had been telling them all the time. And they wouldn't do it, and they couldn't figure out why they were taken captive. But they were taken captive. And for 70 years, they served the Babylonians. And I'm sure that it looked like a hopeless case, as maybe it did in many other times when the Lord reached down and brought it back up. You know, he had to do it a lot of times under the old covenant. And that was all symbolic of the time that Christ would reach down and lift us up. And, of course, he lifts us up to much more than, than that. But at the end of that period of time, near the end of it, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Daniel was there at that time. He was one of the children of Israel taken captive. He had a dream. And he dreamed about this great tree that was so great. And its branches reached into heaven. And the beasts of the field came and lodged under it. And the fowls of the air made their nests in it. And it, it had so much shade and so much abundance of fruit. And it was so great. And then someone came by, some watchers came by and made a cry and says, cut it down. Cut it down. And scatter its fruit. And drive out the beasts that are lodging under it and the, and the fowls of the heavens that are there, but leave the stump. And he couldn't figure out what that meant. And he called all his magicians and his astrologers and his wise men. And then they called Daniel. Yeah. And Daniel said, the dream, O king is you. Yeah. You're the tree. Yeah. You're the great tree. Yeah. The king of Babylon yeah. that had your, your branches so great. Uh, 
the kingdom, the empire, the influence of it was so great. It went so far. It affected so many people and merchants and, and uh, seamen of all parts of the earth came and made their trade there. But he said, it's going to cut you down. Yeah. And it's going to leave your stump. That's right. And that troubled him a little bit. But you know how it is when goods increase. People have a tendency to um, increase with them. People have a tendency to increase with them. And it wasn't long. At the end of 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. And the king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? I have built? Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? What a terrible place to get in. Yeah, that's right. When you fail to give God the honor and the glory. Nebuchadnezzar had served the Lord, even though he was king of Babylon. He was not a Jew. He was not in the kingdom of Israel. But he had served the Lord in times past. He made decrees that in every nation, that everybody would honor the God of Daniel. He made those decrees that the God of heavens... And while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from me, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. He may have already known that the Most High ruled in the kingdom of heaven, but God was making him know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. It ain't no different today. The Lord rules. Many people in the scripture have had great illusions of power. Pharaoh thought he was a great man. He thought that he had power to let those children of Israel go or not let them go. And it was the Lord that was doing it all the time. That's true. Well, the Lord took that kingdom from Nebuchadnezzar and his son came in and reigned in his stead, Belshazzar. I want you to understand that this was not a short period of time. This was very long, stretched out. From the time that the people were serving God in sincerity, it gradually, ever so gradually, a little bit of um, slackness, a little bit of unwillingness, a little sleep, a little slumber, just a little at a time, and a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump, and the first thing you know, that carelessness comes in, and that carelessness breeds itself into rebellion, and rebellion breeds itself into, um, um, the words escape me, such a feeling of resentment against the Word of God and the truth of God and the people of God until the end result is you don't even recognize the truth. I'm talking about some pretty real things. It has happened, it will happen, and it is happening right now. Many, many people have, have taken that path. They've sought the Lord. They sought Him sincerely. God blessed them. He forgave them of their sins. They come back. They got sanctified. God blessed them mightily, poured His Spirit upon them. But then they failed 
Yes. They failed to live sincerely before God. And they slipped into, through weakness and through neglect, they slipped into this state of affairs. Well, it's not so important after all. I don't have to do this. I don't have to listen to this. Uh, I don't, I, I, I. The biggest thing between you and God today is yourself. Yourself. Well, this thing kept getting worse. Nebuchadnezzar did quite a mess. But his son Belshazzar come along. Wrath of God still building. People of God still getting worse and worse. Belshazzar comes along. Now he's worse than his father is. And he, the king, made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. And Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, in his drunken state, in his state of total disregard for God and for his people, in this state of affairs that had taken so long to get to, at the height of his party, and when he was very intoxicated, what did he do? He said, bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought, listen, these things were sacred to God. They were holy vessels. They were just as holy as they could be. This was the old covenant. It was valid. God said they were holy, they were holy. And he took the holy vessels of God and began to make a mockery. And they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God which was at Jerusalem and the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine. They praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass, of iron, of wood and of stone. And in that hour there came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote and the king's countenance was changed in his thoughts. Troubled him. Yeah. I expect that sobered him up just a little bit. Yeah. Right. I expect that sobered him up just a little bit. Yeah. Or the hand, the fingers of a man's hand, right on the wall. Yeah. And the joints of his loins were loosened, and his knees smote one against another. Yeah. And then he began to call for his astrologers. He couldn't read it. He didn't know what it said. And his magicians, and they didn't know what it said. And finally, they resorted to old Daniel again. Yeah. <laughs> and. This is the writing that was written, and I won't try to pronounce those funny words, but the interpretation of the, of the thing is that God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. God finally got enough. He finally reached an end. Thy kingdom is numbered and finished. Thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. Thy kingdom is given to the Medes and the Persians. And Belshazzar commanded that they clothe Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And in that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain. And Darius the Median took the kingdom being about threescore and two years old. The end of 70 years of prophesied captivity. Reason being the cause of their own transgressions. Right. We get a just reward with the Lord. Yes. 
If we serve the Lord, we'll go out with joy and be led forth with peace. If we fail to serve the Lord, we'll go into captivity. That lesson is told over and over and over in the Bible. All right, that was the end of the kingdom of the Babylonians. In a moment, it was all over with. The, the Medes and the Persians. Darius was the king of the Medes. Uh, Cyrus was king of the Persians. They moved in. Daniel, of course, was still captive in their, the beginning of their reign. It didn't happen just like that necessarily, but things began to change. Cyrus put out a proclamation. He was a king of Persia, another great kingdom. He put out a proclamation. He said, Whosoever there be among you, his God being with him, let him go now to Jerusalem and build the house of God. Yes. You shall be the repairers of the breach. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Is that right? That's right? The restorer of paths to dwell in. These were in the days of Nehemiah and Ezra. And they began at the king's command, an old worldly king. A king that knew very little about the Lord. But you know, the king, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water, like Pharaoh was. And he turneth it whithersoever he will. So Cyrus puts out a proclamation that uh, the people of God could go back to Jerusalem. The bondage was broken. They didn't have to stay in Babylon any longer. They could go back and begin to build the temple of God and he would fund it for us. He would provide the money that it took for them to do that. And Nehemiah went back and Ezra went back and a large company of those old Jews that remembered that house in their first estate, they went back and they began to work. And it wasn't an easy work they had. It wasn't an easy task they had but they worked they worked through persecutions they worked through prosecutions they worked through ridicule they worked with one tool in one hand and a weapon in the other but they had a mind to work and they rebuilt the temple of God help us Lord that we'll work in your vineyard and rebuild the glory of this house that our fathers left to us we need to work Yes, we do. You know what they did? They went in there and started clearing out all the rubbish that was there. That's right. That's the Lord. Tearing out all that mess that had accumulated in the house of God. And they sanctified that house. And it became holy unto them. God blessed them and their efforts for it. They did it at the risk of their all. Their lives were at stake. But they worked. They had a mind to work. That's the Lord. And they helped each other. That's right. Brother Joseph read to you was it last night? Sunday night. Sunday night. Sunday morning. Right. About the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And of course this is right during the days that we're talking about here. This was in the Babylonian captivity that the angel appeared unto Daniel and told him about the abomination of desolation. The abomination that maketh desolate. Yes. And he saw that in his day. Yeah. He saw while he was there captive. Daniel served the Lord. Yeah. Daniel served the Lord. Yeah. But he witnessed. He saw in his day when things got so bad. And they just got worse. And they got worse. And it seems like sometimes things got to get worse before they get better. Yeah. Lord, yeah. They got so bad. 
And he witnessed when that old king reached over there for those golden and silver holy vessels of the Lord and began to desecrate the holy things of God, Daniel witnessed that abomination. He witnessed when Cyrus moved in and changed that thing all around and turned it around so that they could serve their Lord like they should. And then we get over into... uh, Matthew and Mark. I'm just going to have to try to quote it to you. My time's getting away. (laughs) Brother Joseph read you, in the days of Christ, when they began to ask all those questions, and he began to answer them, and they probably didn't understand, and I'm not sure I understand all of it, but he told them, he says, when you shall see the abomination of desolation... Spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. That don't mean for you to stand in the holy place. That means when you see the abomination of desolation, stand in the holy place. Because Mark bears that out. In the 13th chapter of Mark, it says, when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not. Then let he that's in the mountains flee. Going to be some happenings going on. Yeah. That's right. Lord's getting ready to turn things around again. That's right. yeah. He's had enough. That's right. Wrath of God's been building. Yeah. Did it happen in the days of Christ? Yes, yeah. it did. Did those when He said, "When you shall see armies uh, around about Jerusalem," yeah. isn't that what He said? Yeah. Did they see it? Yeah. Just like the armies were around about the the city of Jerusalem in Daniel's day. Yeah. There's a likeness there. Yeah. There's a likeness there. Right. And those old high priests and those Jews That's that were right. so schooled in the law, they took the holiest vessel that this world has ever known yeah. and they desecrated it. Yeah. They crucified it. Yeah. They put a crown of thorns on his head. Yeah. They spit in his face. Yeah. They stood behind his back and smote him yeah. and said, if you be a prophet, if thou be the son of God, prophesy. Who hit you? Who did it? They did everything they could against the name of God against the Lamb of God against the holiest vessel that the world has ever known and God moved in and did something and they put that body in the tomb and roll that stone there and put that group of soldiers there to keep it lest as they suspicion his disciples might come in the night. But what obstacle is too great for God? That's right. <laughs> what defense is there against the Lord? Things begin to turn around. That's right. There's a likeness, I'm telling you. There's a likeness to the days of the end of the Babylonian captivity and the days of Christ. There's a likeness. There hadn't have been. Jesus wouldn't have reminded them about the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And it says from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away. What is the daily sacrifice? Thy will be done. Every day. Every moment. Every hour. Take it away. You don't do it like that. But over a long span of time, the daily sacrifice is taken away. And then, through neglect, through um, weakness, through uh, lack of interest in the Word, through rebellion, through all of these things, the abomination of desolation begins to manifest itself. That's right. And 
It would like to get right up here where I'm at. Yeah, that's right. It would like to get up here in this holy place. The devil would like for us to preach a gospel that doesn't call for any sacrifice. But we're not going to do that. No. We're going to tell you that it takes your all. Yeah. If any man love father or mother or son or daughter or houses and land more than me, he is not worthy of me. Right. And if any man puts his hand to the plow and looks back, he's not worthy. He's not fit for the kingdom of God. It's going to take everything you've got to make it to heaven. Right. Your talking sacrifices are not enough. And this is the holy place. Yes, yeah. it is. Right. And when I see cocktail dresses standing on the stand, it troubles me. Yeah. It ought not to be. No. Right. Right. You, got it right. you ought to have more respect for the house of God. Right. Right. All right. We got two of them. How about today? Yeah. How are we going to link that up with today? Yeah. Uh, Babylon is a city that really existed in their day. It was very natural, very physical. Um, But it has significance to us today. It's a spiritual place today. Uh, I read about the the two witnesses over there in Revelations. I shouldn't get into that. But, you know, it says that the, the beast came up and overcame them and killed them and their dead bodies lay in the street of the city that is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. So you see, these things that happen in this Word of God have significance for us today. It's not just stories that you read and close the book and say, well, wasn't that interesting? Uh, If you can't bring it down to today, uh, how is it going to work? Well, i got to cut this short, but I want to tell you something. John the Revelator... In the spirit, on the Isle of Patmos, the Lord showed him something. He showed him a revelation. He showed him that Babylon was a fallen city. It don't matter how high you build her towers. It don't matter how loud you proclaim her gospel. It don't matter how big you think she is or how strong you think she is. Babylon is a fallen city. Daniel, I mean, uh, John saw the angel come through uh, and he poured out the vials and he said, Babylon is fallen, has fallen and has become the hole of every unclean bird uh, and the cage of every foul beast. Right. Bless the Lord. Babylon exists today. That's right. Yes, it does. That's right. I don't want you living there. That's right. I don't want you trafficking in their wares. The Lord don't want you trafficking in their wares. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying, Come up hither, and I will shew thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls and having a golden cup in her hand full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication. That's right. When you're married to Christ, the Lord wants you to be faithful. That's right. He don't want you to have nothing to do with this woman. That's right. 
And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon. A little bit more of a mystery now than it was then. It was a real city then. It was a real place and it, all those things really happened. But I'm talking about now. I'm talking about us. Yeah. Today, in our situation, yeah. there is a Babylon. That's right. A mystery Babylon. Yeah. The mother of harlots right. and the abominations of the earth. Right. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of saints uh, and with the blood of the martyrs That's of right. Jesus. Uh, and when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Yeah. And after these things, I saw another angel uh, come down from heaven, having great power. Yeah. And the earth was lightened with his glory. Yeah. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, uh, the great is fallen, uh, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils uh, and the hole of every foul spirit uh, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Uh, for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the yeah. earth are waxed rich right. through the abundance yeah. of her delicacies. Right. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and live deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon. Yeah. Some of them had lived there all their life. Yeah, that's right. Some of them didn't know anything about the New Jerusalem. That's right. I wonder about some of y'all. Lord help. Saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Is that what happened in, in uh, Daniel's day? Yeah. Is that what happened in Belshazzar's day? Yeah. In one hour, that same night, when the handwriting come on the wall, yeah. that same night that man was destroyed and the yeah. kingdom of the Babylonians was no more. Right. In one hour is thy judgment come and the merchants of the earth shall yeah. weep and mourn over thee for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore and the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stone and pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and fine wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and vessels of most precious wood and brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men souls of men You know, the Bible talks about people who through feign words will make merchandise of you. Right. Yeah. Merchandise is something you buy and sell for gain. You buy and sell it for gain. You don't have any, you don't need, I mean, it, you don't love it. It's not anything. It's just what you can get out of it. And that's the way people do today. They make merchandise of the people of God. They're like hirelings and not like shepherds. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee, and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. And I have just got to quit. My time is up. But there's many, many people today that spend their life in Babylon, yes. buying and selling, trading in her wares, and never know anything about the New Jerusalem. That's right. That was the 17th chapter of Revelations. You'd read over in the 18th and the 19th, you'd find about the marriage of the Lamb. Yeah. Right. And I don't have time here tonight to go into that, 
But the Lord don't want us partaking of Babylon. That's right. And I'm here to say on the faith of God's word that Babylon is a fallen city. It's fallen, it's fallen, it's fallen. And we are here today to try to influence you to come over. Come out of her, my people. The proclamation was, come out of her, my people. Is there a Babylon today? Now, the great queen of Babylon, in these latter days of time, makes a feast that's universal. All the nations drink her wine. As they eat, drink, and revel in their lofty steeple halls, God proclaims their desolation with the hand upon the wall. God has always redeemed His people. In Daniel's day, God came down and redeemed His people. In Christ's day, the Lord came down and redeemed His people. And in our day, redemption is for us in the Lord. And we make a claim to it. We make a claim to it tonight. We want to know if there's anyone in the congregation tonight that would like to pray. We We want to pray with you. I was standing at the altar service today I just a crying and enjoying that so much. Um, I'll take just a moment for the sake of those that were not here. Miss Agnes Holmes made a little talk about her daughter that was there. And I commend you, Sister Agnes, for being strong enough to accept responsibility. It's a weakness that pervades mankind. Nobody likes to accept responsibility. But she told about how that when the days when her daughter was growing up, she wasn't sanctified. She took her to our church because that's where she wanted her to be. But she says, now I've tried in 10 years to make up for it so much. And it's so hard to make up for those years that are gone. And I think about you young married people today. How you need to raise your children in the environment of a sanctified home. Right. And you need to teach them respect for your church. You're destroying your children when you destroy the respect for this church. Is there anybody that would like an interest in our prayer by raising their hand? Lord bless you. We're going to go to prayer. Yes, he is. That's right. While we sing a song of invitation, all those that desire an interest in our prayer, we ask you to come and we'll pray with you.